Welcome to the Inside Muskegon podcast with your host, Jason Pisecki. And now, here's Inside Muskegon. Welcome to Inside Muskegon. This is episode number 122. I'm Jason Pisecki. The Inside Muskegon podcast is a weekly show featuring interviews with community leaders and comments from everyday people from Muskegon, Michigan. The goal of the podcast is to engage Muskegonites in a dialogue about the issues that affect our everyday lives. This week's show features an interview with Al Steinman and information on contacting Inside Muskegon. Our interview this week is with Al Steinman with the International Upper Great Lakes Study. I'm here with Dr. Alan Steinman with the Upper Great Lakes Study. Thank you for taking the time out again with Inside Muskegon. Thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. That's great to have you back. What is the Upper Great Lakes Study? Well, the Upper Great Lakes Study is a study that comes out of the International Joint Commission, and the IJC oversees uh, activities on between Canada and the U.S. and also between the U.S. and Mexico. So the Great Lakes are one of the major areas of focus for the IJC, and this International Upper Great Lakes Study wants to look at water levels in the Upper Great Lakes, which they define as Erie, Michigan, Huron, and Superior. And they're particularly concerned about the water levels that have been going up and down over the last 30 years, but particularly down the last 10 years. And that's what's inspired a lot of this activity. How much of that is uh, cyclical and how much of it is impacted by the environment and other factors going on in the region? Well, that's really the $64,000 question, or in this case, the $15 million question <laughs> to try and get a handle on that. Um, and, and the reality is we know there are cycles that go on with water levels in the Great Lakes. There's a short cycle, which has a periodicity of about 33 years, and then there's a longer cycle of about 160 years. But on top of that, as you mentioned, humans do have a major influence in that. And what we're going to try and determine through a number, about 20 scientific studies, is whether the changes that we've seen, particularly over the last 20 years, are due more to human impacts, or is it part of the natural cycle that we see in the ecosystem? Talk about your involvement in the study and the role that you'll, you will be playing in addition to some of the other people involved in the study. Well, there's a large number of people involved in this work. Uh, my involvement comes through the PIAG, P-I-A-G, the Public Interest Advisory Group, and that's a 20-person committee, uh, 10 members from the U.S., 10 members from Canada that are trying to serve as a liaison between the the study board, those are the people that are you know sort of overseeing the entire event, and the public. So we go out and provide information to the public as to what the study encompasses, and also get the feedback from the people and feed it back to the study board. So it really becomes uh, as reciprocal as possible. Now, five, year, five to 10 years ago, there was a study that was done in Lake Ontario and the St. Lawrence Seaway. There was a tremendous amount of outcry that the public were not included in that process. So this is an attempt to try and redress that imbalance and get the public more involved. So one of the things is, is being involved in all those PAG committees, going to public meetings, providing that interface with the public. And then I also serve as an interface to these technical work groups or TWIGs. There's a lot of acronyms in this, <laughs> in this business. Um, but the TWIG that I'm involved with is ecosystems, which is really what my scientific expertise is. The members of the PAG, those 20 members, encompass a large number of interests, uh, everything from shipping to the environment to science um, to recreation, uh, 
commercial boating, recreational boating. So we really try to address all the concerns that are out there. And uh, like I said, my expertise here is in terms of the scientific studies. How far is the group into the study, and what are some of your findings at this point? Well, that's interesting. Um, it, it was It's theoretically a five-year study, and it began last August. So we're a little more than a year into the study. Uh, but what happened was originally... Uh, the main focus was going to be on the um, regulation of flows out of Lake Superior through the St. Mary's and the Sioux Locks, with a secondary concern on the flows out of uh, Lake Huron into the St. Clair River. Well, there was so much attention focused on the St. Clair River. Uh, for those listeners who aren't familiar with this problem, and most of them probably are, there's a lot of concern that the dredging that was done 15, 20 years ago by the Army Corps of Engineers has caused what they call the drain at the bottom of the bathtub to open up wider, and there's more water getting out of the upper Great Lakes, and hence the water levels are being declined because of this dredging. So because of this political pressure, we have expedited that part of the study from what should have taken place over three years to about a year and a half. So that has become the major focus over the last year and certainly over the next eight months till we produce our final report on what's going on in the St. Clair River. So there's a lot of studies going on right now trying to figure out um, is the dredging, in fact, responsible for the reduced water levels? Is it a function of evaporation? You alluded to earlier, uh, global warming. One of the things we know is going on in the Great Lakes is that there's less ice cover over the last 20 years. And that uh, is because the water temperatures are warming. We get, as a consequence, during the summer months and the fall months, the water temperatures heat up, and it's harder for the ice to form during the winter. And when the, when the ice doesn't form, we get much more evaporation off the Great Lakes. The greatest time of evaporation is not in the summer months, but it's actually in the late fall and early winter when these cold air masses come over from Canada over the still relatively warm water in the Great Lakes, and we get tremendous evaporation. If the ice isn't there to cover that up, uh, we lose a lot of water that way. And one of the real facets that we're looking at right now is getting a much better handle on evaporation. In the past, we determined how much water was evaporating strictly by modeling. Now we're getting actual empirical measurements to get a better handle on that. What are the water levels like in the Great Lakes here in 2008? Well, right now, um, certainly Lake Michigan is below the long-term mean. We're about halfway between the long-term mean and the um, all-time low. Uh, it, it's about 10 inches below normal. Uh, Lake Superior has come up dramatically. In fact, Lake Michigan's come up dramatically in the last year. Uh, Lake Superior is still below the long-term mean, but a little closer to it than Michigan and Huron. Um, but we had a lot of water come in during the spring, when, uh, nor, uh, normally when we wouldn't see much rise going on in these water levels. Uh, so it's doing better than it was. It's not what it should be. What do you hope to find when the results are in from this study, and what kind of change, if any, would you like to impact? Well, uh, again, that's um, you know the $15 million question. Uh, my goal as a scientist and as a member of, of the PIAG is that hopefully we'll have much better science to reduce the uncertainty in our water budget measurements for the Great Lakes. Amazingly, I mean, it absolutely floors me, given how much, how importance, how much importance we we uh, place on the Great Lakes, that we really don't have a good handle on the water budget in these Great Lakes. Um, so we want to have a much better handle on that. Uh, 
Uh, we want to be able to regulate, hopefully regulate the water flows better. Now, there's only so much humans can do with respect to water regulation. Mother Nature plays a much bigger role in the long term than we do, but there are ways we can tweak the system and perhaps make uh, optimize its operation um, so that we continue to have... I mean, here's, here's a really interesting point. Some people want to have stable water levels. All the same level all the all the time, so they know how they can predict what's going to happen. I would argue that that's a disaster for our coastal ecosystems. The coastal wetlands need fluctuating water levels. They need high and more high and low water levels in order for the vegetation to grow over time in a dynamic way. And those wetlands help provide uh, the fishery habitat that make our Great Lakes such an important fishery, both commercially and recreationally in this region. So it's very important that people understand the importance of having a dynamic ecosystem. The trouble is humans keep moving into areas uh, that um, they want stable water levels or they want to harden the shoreline so they don't have to deal with this. And that basically decimates our natural ecosystem. You can't have both. Let's shift gears a little and talk about another issue that's been in the news, the Great Lakes Compact dealing with the control of the water in the Great Lakes. Uh, from a scientific point of view, why is that important to our region and specifically here in Muskegon? Well, I mean, it's not a scientific issue, Jason. Um, in reality, this is an emotional issue more than anything. Mm -hmm. The amount of water that's even proposed to be in the past diverted out of the Great Lakes is a trivial amount of water given the total amount of, of water in the Great Lakes. So I don't think um, you can't defend diversions based on science, um, given the, the drops in water levels. I think you can defend it in terms of um, the visceral reaction that this is part of our spiritual background. It's part of what makes the Great Lakes the Great Lakes, um, and the water should be retained here. So if you want to use the water, you come to the Great Lakes, you don't ship the Great Lakes out, particularly if the water is being shipped out in an, in an, for a non-sustainable purpose, like greening the desert or you know some, something absurd like that. Um, but I, I think on a, on a scientific basis, the shipping of the surface water out of the Great Lakes is probably um, you know, a, a fairly trivial concern overall. One of the things that is interesting is that the compact, in terms of being passed in the Michigan legislature, was tie-barred to the groundwater uh, assessment tool, which is the mathematical model to determine how much water could be withdrawn from the groundwater in the state of Michigan without having an impact to our natural resources. And that was a scientifically driven process. Um, I was, I've served the last five years on this Groundwater Conservation Advisory Council, and we came up with this mathematical tool that would allow users to determine if you wanted to withdraw a certain amount of water from a certain aquifer, whether you would have an adverse impact. The problem is the way the modeling ended up, the way the science ended up, it suggested that some kinds of streams, you could remove a fair amount of water before you had an impact to the fishery. And there were a lot of organizations who found that unacceptable. And they fought it very hard as a consequence. Now, um, you know, if you go into the process at the beginning and you say that you're willing to abide by the science, you can't at the back end say when the science doesn't, when the scientific findings don't match what you hope they would, you can't say no fair. That's not the way the system works. All right. Well, let's let's touch on an issue that we did uh, two years ago when we had our first interview on Inside Muskegon and put your Grand Valley State University hat on and talk about the condition of Muskegon Lake. 
Well, Muskegon Lake has uh, improved dramatically over the last 50, 75 years. Uh, you go back and you talk to the locals about how the lake was had all sorts of different colors depending upon who was discharging at what time of year into the lake. And the water quality has, has improved dramatically. A lot of that has to do with the diversion that we used to have of wastewater directly into the lake now goes out to our wastewater management system. And that's made a huge, huge difference. What's also changed in the last 30 years are invasive species. Um, you know, that's the downside. We now have zebra and quagga mussels in there. We have round gobies. We have uh, organisms that this lake had never adapted to, never evolved to. And some of these impacts, we simply don't know what they're going to be in the long run. Uh, certainly in the short run, we're concerned about the amount of round goby, the fact that they're taking over the habitat that would normally have sculpin in them. And the sculpin's a very important prey fish for some of our top predators in the lake. So we're concerned about that. But, you know, here's a, the yin and yang. Uh, another plus is that we seem, we're doing a study, Dr. Carl Reitz at the Institute right now is doing a study on sturgeon in the lower Muskegon River. And the sturgeon are... are surprisingly robust. Um, so we're very hopeful that um, given the amount of sturgeon that's in there, if they can make it to adulthood, um, that the, the river can be returned to be an excellent sturgeon fishery. So we're doing that research right now. So Muskegon Lake is on the upswing in general over the last few decades, but still work to be done. Absolutely. Let's move on to our final question. And I think with the state that the Upper Great Lakes study is at, uh, being that it is a process that's going to take several years, it might not be fair at this point to put you on the spot too much for findings. But let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about how people can be involved. And uh, I'll just phrase it this way. You have one minute alone with a person interested in becoming involved with the Upper Great Lakes study. Make your pitch to get them there. Well, I think the first thing they should do is visit the website um, so they can Google the International Upper Great Lakes Study and they can get on there. It's www.iuglc.org, uh, or excuse me, iugls.org, um, and you'll see a whole suite of different activities. Uh, um, different um, documents that they can download, uh, see where the next public meetings are taking place, and I would encourage if they can travel to those areas to attend. Uh, you can also send comments into the study board about what you think are most important. Uh, we had a meeting here in Muskegon uh, last May, which is, was a great opportunity for people to come and give their input to the uh, to the study, but they can still do it online, and I would encourage them to do it. Continue reading, looking at the website, stay updated, understand what's going on. Um, the best population, the best public we can have out there is an educated public. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Steinman. Pleasure once again, and best of luck with the study and your many endeavors. Thank you, Jason. Same to you. on now to some listener feedback and for the latest feedback in Inside Muskegon, visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com, post your own comments to the site, view the comments of others, and even comment on their comments. That brings us to the conclusion of episode number 122 of Inside Muskegon. For more information, visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com. Inside Muskegon is produced by Jeremy Sear. For Inside Muskegon, I'm Jason Pisecki. Feedback is welcome at Jason at InsideMuskegon.com. This has been the Inside Muskegon Podcast. Comments are welcome through our website or by emailing jason at insidemuskegon.com. <laughs>